Awesome. This is uh, Desi Velez and Al Soto from Click on This Show. And we are welcoming the entire team of Kiki, which uh, was supposed to, uh, they are all going to be at Sundance. This was their first time. And unfortunately, it's, you know, all virtual. But welcome. Welcome all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Can we start so, by maybe introducing uh, each member of the team and your role or what you did in the, the project? Let's start with Carlos. So, uh, yes, I'm Carlos Cardona, and I'm the director, writer, and creator of Cheeky, which is premiering at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival as part of the Indie Episode. And Anna? Anna Teach, and I was the production designer on Cheeky. Daniel? Hi, I'm Daniel Pfeffer, and I was the producer on Cheeky. Greg? Hi, I'm Greg Prosser, and I played uh, one of the supporting characters on Cheeky. Catherine? Hi, I'm Catherine French, and I played Aunt Judy on Cheeky. Sebastian? You have to unmute yourself. <laughs> oh, There's there you go. There you they go. They haven't, they haven't finished up inventing this thing, as they say in Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My, my name is Sebastian Beltran, and I played Carlos Sr. in Chiqui. Sofia. Hi, my name is Sofia Debon. I am the producer, co-writer, and editor of Chiqui, and this is Miriam Gabriel. I'm an associate producer with Cheeky. Bridget. Hi, I'm Bridget Silva and I'm Cheeky. <laughs> and again, awesome. I'm Desi and there's Al. Al, why don't you take the first question? All right, let's just talk about how the team was assembled. Um, Carlos, since you're the director and the writer, the creator, uh, we're responsible for casting the entire project and also uh, assembling your great production team as well. Yeah. So basically, um, I, you know, I've known uh, Danny Feff, Daniel Pfeffer and Sophia Devon and Van Rosenberg uh, for, you know, a very long time spanning to, you know, right after I got out of film school to when I just started getting into the industry. And, uh, and as well, I'm sorry, as well as Miriam and Gabriel, you know, we've, we've Mimi, Mimi, Miriam, Gabriel, we've, we've all known each other um, and done and worked on various projects in different capacities. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I met Bridget uh, about like five years ago. We were working in the service industry and um, we, you know, we, we connected because we're both, uh, you know, I'm, my parents are Colombian and then Bridget is from Bolivar. And so we had this very immediate connection just by virtue of speaking the language and by sharing you know uh, this cultural background and we always wanted to work on a project together and it wasn't until a few years ago that i presented her with the idea of um of doing cheeky and you know it was just like a you know this sort of immediately she, she attached herself to it and we just went to work on it and and, and here we are that's amazing now did you have a bridget in mind to play uh, the mother because uh, Chiki is all about uh, the, the life of your parents immigrating to the U.S. from Colombia. 
um, which I think is amazing. It's kind of like a biopic of sorts in, in episodic form. Um, do you see a little bit of Tumara, your mother, in, in Bridget? Yeah, I think that like one of the reasons that I even approached Bridget for the project, just from, from the beginning, uh, Bridget just sort of really, um, she really sort of embodied the sort of the, 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 the sort of personality and, and the sort of ethos that my mother, uh, who my mother was in her personality. And so um, it, it was just, you know, I just don't think, for me, I was like, there's no other person that could I could play this character uh, because you know this is like a completely independent film and you know completely uh, you know resourced and financed by basically me and so we just didn't have the resources to find a uh, casting director or anything like that so you know sure Bridget was just really the, literally the only person that I saw or that, that could play this role and then of course she introduced me to Sebastian and to Catherine and it was just a, a perfect storm. Well I thought the performances were uh, phenomenal um, and there couldn't be a better time that this comes out with all, you know, the political atmosphere against immigrants and stuff and the stereotypes. So what I love about you is your parents don't fit that stereotype. Your dad had a little business. Your mom was an airline stewardess. And back in the day, being an airline stewardess was a pretty big deal. That's right up there with being a top model and stuff. You know, they were very mm -hmm. selective in who they chose. But yet when they come here, as the story unfolds, they're, they're having this start at the bottom and, and scrape for everything. Um, well, basically when you, when you watch this, um, you see the strain that happens within a relationship when people start over in another country, language, the finances, and it takes a toll. So I wanted to ask you, um, how it did strain your parents' relationship first coming over here. On top of that, dealing with the fact that your mother was pregnant with you at the time. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my, my mother was a flight attendant for Avianca and my father, he managed a tavern, a local tavern that was, he sort of inherited from a family friend. And so, you know, he, they, they didn't really have, my, the only person that had was sort of the breadwinner was my mother. And so um, when they came to this country, you know, she lost her job and, you know, my father, you know, you know had to completely reinvent or re-envision what, what, what he was going to do as a career and as a vocation. And uh, both my parents, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't go to college. They just they basically just graduated high school and they worked in, you know, uh, their respective fields. But, you know, they didn't have uh, the they didn't have, you know, first off, they didn't have the, the language to be able to transition into something more than manual labor or more than in the service industry. So when, you know, they came here and they had the realization that, okay, I'm, you know, Cheeky, Ruth, Barreto was like, okay, I'm not going to be a flight attendant because I can't get a job as an, uh, an air, a flight attendant in any other airline because I can't speak the, the language. Um, and then my father was like, you know, I just... What, am, what else am I going to do other than, you know, work in the service industry or manual labor? So that sort of tension of, of the realization and the expectation versus the reality, I mean, definitely causes strain. I mean, it's, it's, that's in the pilot itself. You see that as, you know, one of the early arguments or discords that they have is because of that reason, because of, you know, okay, this is great. We're in the United States, but now we actually, now that the, the wool has been pulled back from our eyes, now we have to, you know, now we have to work. And that's always a very sobering and startling realization for someone, you know, that has to basically start from scratch. Can you tell us how much uh, of the um, 
the premiere episode was based on actual events and how much was fictional? So I would venture to say that 95% see in the first episode is uh, true to life. It actually happened um, in the way that we, we portrayed. Of course, there were some things that we sort of fictionalized or dramatized. Um, yeah. Especially like the, the characters in the Newark uh, you know, um, section in the beginning. The dialogue. Um, the, what's that? The dialogue. The dialogue, of course, you know, of course, you know, some of some of the I just remember my mom telling me certain stories. And so um, about their first, uh, you know, few months in the country, and some of it is verbatim from my mother's my mother's recollection and retelling of them. But, nice. um, but yeah, other than like the dialogue and the sort of like amalgamation of certain characters, it's pretty much true to life. It's, it was their trajectory when they first got here in, in, um, in the in the in the summer of 1987. And I've been to Newark. It's pretty rough, so I can vouch it for that. It is pretty rough. <laughs> the Bronx, Newark. Uh, I was in Brooklyn, so I survived. <laughs> and you're and and Carlos, you are in Harlem, right? Yeah, I currently live in. Yeah, I currently live in Harlem. Yes. God be with you, also. <laughs> Harlem, 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 you know, New York City as a whole has gotten you know exponentially better than you know yeah. obviously in the early '90s and late '80s. But there are still some parts that are still you know have you know that are very rough, but definitely not like Newark in in 1987 or even yeah. New York City in that during that time. Yeah. <laughs> this is based on your mom, so I understand that Bridget had access to your mom uh, in terms of preparing for her character. Yes, yes, yes. I Can had it. I, I met her. About that? <laughs> oh, it was amazing. It's like a very, I was, it's a very unique and rare for an actor to meet actually the character that you're going to perform. So it's just an amazing experience. And I could talk to her about how she was feeling in that moment, what was in her head, uh, why she came, um, also get her expressions and the gestures that she has there. I found like a very comic way to do something with that. I was like, this could be funny. This could be very, I could use this tool without not re uh, make her look like ridiculous or or just mimic her also just going with her own true or who she is and what was her motivation of everything. So it was amazing. It was a great experience. She's, um, she's a wonderful person. Sebastian, did you, were you able to tap into his father? Oh, yes, I had the opportunity to share some time with uh, Carlos Sr. too, and uh, also to get some of his uh, mannerisms and his uh, way of nice. speaking. But um, more than that was uh, to channel the experience that uh, some of us had, uh, well, for being immigrants, of course. And it was also a similar situation than the one my parents had back in the 1980s. They followed the same pattern as uh, Carlos's, uh, Carlos' parents. Uh, I was born here. I'm, I'm like the, the opposite to Carlos because I was born here, but I was raised in Colombia entirely. And uh, just to try to channel that experience of hardship was, I think, uh, the most important part in playing Carlos Sr. Wow. Phenomenal job yeah. by the entire cast. I want to talk about um, recreating the 80s. Uh, how, how, how challenging was it? Uh, were there any issues... Uh, on an indie level to um, do a period piece and in the eighties specifically because the costume was great. The, the props, I mean, you, you guys did an amazing job and I felt authentically eighties, especially listening to Madonna's crazy for you and hearts alone and seeing clips from uh, the mannequin movie. <laughs> so tell us about that aspect. 
Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a conversation more best geared for uh, Anna and and Rand. But um, to to put, you know, you know, yes, like you know, finding, you know, shooting on super sixteen millimeter first and foremost was a decision that me and Rand uh, had made very early on in the stages because you know we really were adamant on on shooting on this format because that was the format that you saw independent cinema and also you know a lot of you know very you know television was also shot on film. Um, and so, yeah, so it was very, the only way that we, that we conceived of this whole thing was shooting it on film. I mean, early on in the stages, Danny, my, my producer, you know, Danny was, um, you know, very, a little bit, you know, I don't know if we can shoot it on film. It's going to be too expensive. It's going to slow down the process. And He's I was throwing like, it on me. And I was like, there's just, <laughs> we've come a long way in digital cinema where, you know, we, you know, the Ari Alexa and any, all these other cameras, like they're able to, you know, pretty much get almost there to like say 35 millimeter but not it's just not the same as as film mm -hmm. so um and so rand and then the combination with rand and then Anna's just you know a, just an amazingly talented uh production designer and so you know it's just it was a these two forces just you know really really made made, made that book and uh yeah and that following you know prior to Anna and I had worked on a short film that was the 1925 period piece in Detroit called One Sweet Night and that's where we had connected so and I had uh been the director on that and so then I said well she's really great we should bring her and she's New York based and she I was just graduating from uh, an MFA program at Tisch in production design um not to speak for her but you know we knew we could do period with Anna because she's an an immaculate researcher and very 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 attuned to detail on a limit and with a limited budget I mean pretty crazy. I don't know, yeah, Anna, Anna, talk to us about it. Yeah, yeah, Anna, what's the most challenging part about doing this for you? I was doing it during COVID at a time where a lot of prop shops uh, were closing down and had closed down. So just oh having access gosh, to places, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, cause you build up this database of, you know, places that you rent from and that you know that you can rent from in bulk, et cetera. And then when you're facing, you know this situation where that's just not available, um, it was definitely nerve wracking knowing that you're going to have to turn to Craigslist and whether, you know, I don't know, oh, sourcing wow. from all over the city, Facebook marketplace, etc. But then again, knowing that it would be shot on film and kind of knowing that, um, you know, sometimes like you have to rely on your graphic design skills to recreate, I don't know, the passport photos or certain like the book covers that we see of some of the hero props in the films, like oh, just wow. understanding that, you know, a lot of the story as is the case of production design anyway, because I designed for theater as well. Like I understood, understood early on in my kind of shift into film that, you know, the importance of props and hand props and close-ups and, you know, how much you can carry a story with um, personal belongings. Um, like, I mean, the personal belongings of the main characters, right? So, um, yeah, I definitely tried my hardest to pay attention um, to, to detail as much as the overall color palettes, et cetera. So yeah, it was, it was a challenge, but um, being an immigrant myself, um, obviously I had a lot of uh, personal investment in the story and as much as, how should I say, you know, it's not the perfect time maybe to make a film like this in the middle of COVID, but like we're all saying, I think it is the perfect time to be telling this story. Um, so, you know, how should I say all the hardship goes out the window when you are passionate about a story when you believe in the story and when you recognize in the story that 
the characters are being treated with, you know, the humanity and the respect that they deserve. Um, you know, as a production designer, you want to make sure that you create spaces that are going to contain the story that do the same thing. So try to make a budget work in the best way that you can, honoring what the story is about and honoring the details um, that sing to the main. I don't know, particularities. So it was it yeah. was such a great experience. But you were brilliant. I mean, it, it looked flawless mm -hmm. and that was a challenge. It, uh, even yeah. probably going into secondhand stores, you didn't know if they were open or not, you know? I just want to say, you know, <laughs> very closely with Anna during this whole thing. And she was awesome. And she would just be like 24 seven sending me Craigslist things. And I would go run, sometimes run and go pick stuff up with my car. Like it was really like mm -hmm. awesome working with her. And she was really on it, uh, finding all the pieces for this film. And before Rand talks, I just want to shout out also Lena Yoon and Sienna Dolman, who did the costume design. Uh, yes. for they were they were amazing. Yeah, the, costumes, yeah, the um, wardrobe was on point. The yeah. wardrobe as well yeah. um, as Alina Barada, who did the hair, hair and makeup. Oh yeah, Devin yeah. like the Pablo Escobar look with mustache and- <laughs> <laughs> All part of the, the New York City indie guerrilla yeah. network. Well, yeah, Daniel we, uh... and Sophia, you guys were co-writers along with Carlos, right? We're series co-writers. They co-wrote the actual proof of concept pilot that we have screening at Sundance. Right. So how, how does that work? Did you did you all meet together and brainstorm or it's or you it's get like something somebody else wrote and different drafts, different sessions for the series. I've been working closely with Carlos on the show Bible. Carlos, um, Sophia and I have all worked together on like the reimagined pilot. If we get picked up, you know what we would shoot then. Ah, okay. um, and then, you know, it, I, I think the initial stages for what we were screening at Sundance now mostly comes from Carlos and Sophia kind of toiling away at many, many drafts as to what we would actually shoot because it, it evolved from a short film to a independent pilot um, to, you know, this isn't suited for a feature. Let's do a two part mini series, things like that. So we're, we're all just, just to add. Oh, yeah, we're all film family. We've all been like working together for a long time. Like we've known each other for a long time. Me, Danny, Carlos, but also Rand. Um, we've, we all worked together a lot uh, for many years. So Rand has been a part of it for, for a while as well. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Thanks, Rand. What's that? No, I want to hear more from Rand. Yes, Rand, yeah, come yeah. on, take the stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to uh, add to, you know, for me, it was truly a, a trinity of like, the costumes, the production design, and then shooting on film to really sort of nail this 1987 yes. look. Because you have to remember, had we shot digitally, sure, maybe we could have figured out some way to actually do grain, but it just would have had a totally different feel. Um, obviously just the way the light hits, you know, everyone, especially mm -hmm. as Carlos said, indie cinema was shooting 16 millimeter in the late eighties. So, you know, that was a big reference we pulled. Um, and also the lenses we shot on. We shot on, you know, vintage Zeiss Super Speed, Super 16 millimeter oh, lenses. Oh, you really like, did? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's like all the gear was very much tailored to what people would shoot on then as well. So there's a certain softness that the lenses give, um, you know, that pairs nicely with the sort of organic look of film. 
Um, and another funny thing that kind of came about while we were shooting and maybe, I know I mentioned this, but maybe it was more in my head. Uh, there were certain scenes, especially like daytime interiors where the lights coming through the windows and you sort of get these shadows with the blinds that for some reason reminded me of like John Hughes cinematography. Yes. Yes. Right. And we yes. are shooting like a comedy and a drama. And so it, they didn't really, I didn't really think about it before, but as we were shooting it, I was like, oh, it's sort of an interesting reference point to pull from to like, you know, make the cinematography sort of underscored, but it also sort of, you know, hopefully has a beauty to it that just adds to the, the dream. This creative ask- idea, because Al called me and asked me this, and he wants to know, and I want to know too, but whose creative idea was it to put the video of the guy and a girl on a motorcycle on the TV, and then later on you see Kiki on a motorcycle? Yeah, that was Cheeky and Joe, right? Cheeky, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he was wondering, did that really happen, or was that someone's imagination? That, that was That's a complete imagination. Like that whole, that, that person... It never really existed in real life, but it's sort of the end is sort of what my mother's idea of like the American dream is. And like this idea of like this mysterious American man sort of like, you know, coming out of nowhere and sort of like, it's like a music video or it's like, it's like a film. It's like, that's how, I mean, a lot, a lot of Cheeky's understanding of American culture and what America would be like was very much influenced by uh, the music that she was listening to, the yeah. film, the television that she was watching, the music videos that were super popular on VH1 and MTV. Like, this was like my mother's idea of 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 what the USA was, and that, and also this wow. is how I was raised. I was also raised like in front of a television, by by pop culture and by yes. you know, American fast food and junk food. Like, this is all you know. This is what my mom <laughs> thought America yeah. was it was supposed to be like, and it was also it had to do a lot with her. Re- you know, at that time, at least for, you know, I can't speak for all, you know, Colombians of, of that era, but um, Bridget once said one of the most patriotic things that Colombians do is to, is to completely just like reject their country because it's like this idea of like, you know, um, yeah, it's like there's a certain, at least my mother's generation, my, my mother in particular, is a certain kind of um, sense of emancipation that she wanted in, in, in her life. She wanted to not be Colombian. She wanted to be, she wanted a new identity. She wanted to be American. And I feel like a lot of um, a lot of Colombians of her generation, at least the people that I knew that I grew up with, there was there was always uh, there was always a sort of like um, uh, this this uh, separate kind of like and and or dynamic that they had within each other. At least the people in Long Island where I grew up with, um, there was never this sense of like community uh, within the Colombians that were in Long Island. Everyone had their own own sort of like separate little pockets where they were like their own independent force versus like a lot of Central American mm-hmm. uh, that I grew up with. They had they had such a strong sense of family that kind of all shared. Mm-hmm. There was a community amongst them versus mm-hmm. there was no, at least where I grew up in, there was no Colombian community. So part of uh, that's that's also something that we're going to explore in the series, not so much in the pilot, but in the in the in the whole um, concept. That's definitely something that's going to be examined. Yeah, because I was curious if Joe, uh, you know, could maybe you know uh have an affair with Cheeky because I of, know I can't believe you what I said Al she's <laughs> pregnant <laughs> I know she's pregnant but you know she's I was not curious. gonna jump on the back of some motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> I guess future episodes have been written and um what can you say about 
what we can learn about the characters in, in future episodes, or is that something that we should definitely wait and stay tuned for? Definitely, definitely wait and stay tuned for. For, for if I were to give you a little sneak peek, um, it definitely examines. Uh, it's it's about their first couple of years in in Montauk, and uh, and it shows their their sort of rise to um, how they got to you know the next level in their life, and how they eventually carved out their own little version of the middle class American dream. Um, and then the second, second, and then the second season examines, um, you know, Cheeky a little later in life, they had just had a divorce and their son is a punk rock skateboarding kid. Right. Not that they had imagined what their, their one and only son would become in, 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 in the United States. So that's, that's sort of, uh, where, where the, where the series would be going. Well, there ca- was, there was the relationship <laughs> between Catherine and Bridget, um, you know, in the film did show some tension. Um, it was a very emotional, lovely scene. Mm. And I think it spoke volumes in terms of classism as well. So if Catherine, if you wanna talk a little bit about your character and that scene. Uh, sure. Um, well, I had also the opportunity to meet uh, Cheeky. So that was great because we, you know, we share about uh, how was their relationship and how was Judy in the real life. So uh, she was very impulsive and she just went uh, through what she wants all the time. So at that point, it was uh, hard for her to say goodbye to her sister, but she also was uh, selfish, you know, in a way that uh, I'm sorry, I love you, you're my sister, but I, you know, I. I'm just going <laughs> to whatever I'm going. Uh, um, so for me as an actress, and also I had a, a great uh, partner. So with Bridget, we just, uh, you know, we just got to that point. Um, but uh, one um, direction that Carlos had told me was like, she was just manipulating in a way, you know, like it's emotional in a way that you, you know, you must to, to make her feel like you're suffering, but in the deep side, you just want to go, you know, you just like, uh, I'm sorry. Um, you know, but he was like very, very, very lovely to share that scene with, um, you know, it's, I love my sister. So it was like, you know, family stuff and outside it was, it was great. Let's talk to Greg. I want to talk to Greg if we could. Yeah. What's going on, guys? Spotlight and yeah. talk about your character. Um, you were Ted. Uh, yeah, Ted, the um, the the gringo, the American the gringo. <laughs> <laughs> that that spoke very very good Spanish. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your character and how you got involved. Yeah, so uh, I actually met Chiki and Carlos. What was that? Twelve years, fifteen years ago, Carlos. Twelve yeah, years Greg, ago. I've known Greg since I was in film school. We, me and Greg, have, we go way back. So Greg knew was witness to Cheeky and Carlos a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> On his thesis film in film school out at his house in Long Island. Uh, yeah, so Carlos called me up. He uh, said there was a character, Ted, in this project he was working on. And me and Carlos have worked on several projects together along with Rand. And uh, so, and I know Sophia through Carlos and Rand and Danny through Carlos and Rand. So I was very familiar with everyone that was on board. And he called me up and said, I have this part for you. I'm doing this 
film about my, you know, mom and dad immigrating to, uh, to the Hamptons or Montauk. And I have a part for you. And I was like, I'm in. Just tell me when and where <laughs> I'll be there. Uh, nice. You picked up Spanish uh, from working on it. You already spoke Spanish prior. Uh, my wife is Puerto Rican. Oh, well, there you go. 27 years. So oh. able to pick up a little something in that 27 years. Okay. But it was interesting being in that, in those scenes when Sebastian and Bridget and Catherine were speaking, they were speaking so quickly and it's yes. a different dialect. I really had no idea what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just trying to grab words as they were going, but I, I'm sure that's what Ted experienced also. You know, right. Trying to assimilate to that environment. Uh, so yeah, it was an interesting role. I, I enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So now that the, um, the project is a part of the Sundance Indie Episodic Program, what's next in 2022? How can the wider audience see Chiki? Yeah, so as of right now, um, you know, we are currently in the midst of like the whole film festival circuit. So um, throughout the, you know, throughout this year, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be premiering other, other film festivals um, across the country and hopefully internationally. Uh, and then hopefully, you know, in, you know, the next year or so, you know, it could be the, the reality of it being an entire series um, is very possible. So that's, uh, that's something to look forward to. I think it all has all the potential uh, to, to make it on a platform. It, it's brilliant and it's, it's heartwarming and uh, there's a really great story to be told. So congratulations to all involved. Thank you so Wonderful. much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, I said hopefully all shot on super 16 millimeter. Yes. yes. Or the rare TV shows that might hopefully all be on film. Yeah. Dale. 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 He's Dale. not going to let that go. That is a filmmaker to the soul yeah. of art. Yes. Awesome. And I love Thank the soundtrack. You so much, guys. I love yeah. the soundtrack, guys. You had Heart, you had Tears for Fears, Madonna, Crazy for You. Literally one of my favorite Madonna songs. <laughs> Um, and Al, I think I was the only one on set that actually remembered when they came out. Oh, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> well, I tell you, I'm not telling you my age, but I remember all of that. Yeah, I remember it too. So, I, was, I was just a small baby, though. Right, exactly. We're all little kids. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. And is there any websites or social media for the film? It's coming soon. We'll, it's okay. coming soon. We're, we'll be on Facebook, Instagram pages. Um, okay. Right now we're trying to keep up with like festival demands. Very nice. Well, awesome. Well, we will. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll uh, definitely uh, keep our ears open and ears and eyes I'm, open I'm for more. Incredibly proud of you guys. I'm. I'm just mm -hmm. so excited uh, mm -hmm. that we've got more Latins out there, and uh, mm -hmm. just for everyone, just everyone pushing for the diversity and and showing everyone we're just more of the same than we are different. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, it's a great job. And I, I hope the next festival, you'll be able to go in person and your parents can come. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. We really want to bring, we really want to bring as a company, like the forefront of like modern Latinx cinema, especially Carlos and I is like a super big goal of ours to, to continue that kind of legacy that we're, that we're building now. Yeah, and we've been doing it, but you know, now we're at Sundance. So, all right, awesome. Well, thank you so much. This is great. This has been wonderful. Yeah, but it's worth it. But it's not just. I hope everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs>